Welcome to Revenue Champions, I'm Alice. And I'm John. We interview leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs in the B2B space. Giving you the inside tips, tricks, and hacks for you to grow and scale your B2B business today. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to the second episode of our Marketing Rebel series. I'm really excited to be joined today by Azar, who's the head of growth at UserPilot. I'm an avid listener of your podcast, The Growth Marketing Stories, and actually, the reason I reached out to Azar recently is because I was listening to his episode on Dylan's SaaS marketing show, which was really, really interesting and thought-provoking. So I thought he'd be a perfect candidate to come on our Marketing Rebels series, all about challenging traditional marketing thinking. And I know we're going to dig into this a bit, Azar, but you've got some pretty clear views on growth hacking and your opinion on that. So we will cover that. But thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it. I am happy to be here and share my thoughts. Great. And we'll be able to, we'll be taking questions throughout. So if you've got any, please do submit them and we'll do our best to answer as many as we can. And this will go for 40 minutes. So yeah, as I was mentioning, it's great to have you on Azar. And I came across you by listening to that podcast you did with Dylan. And I think the thing that really interested me and like my key takeaway from that particular podcast was your approach to SEO and more particularly pain point SEO. But before we kind of dive into that, I think it's probably best to set the scene on why I feel like you are a marketing rebel in your view and approach to growth hacking. Could you just talk me through like what your opinion is on that and why you are, I guess, against that coin term that we hear all the time, growth hacking, and what you actually believe, you know, we should be doing and what a sustainable approach to marketing. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for having me. I um, really appreciate it. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I have not completely shared my entire thought process on it. To be very honest, the reason why I feel like growth hacking is kind of a bullshit is because like a lot of people have given their this meaning differently, right? They have they, they have taken it completely different perspective. What Ryan Holiday or Sean Ellis or Hitensha actually coined this term. The term was actually to find kind of a specific one kind of a a tactic in your online marketing that you can scalably build and try to learn from your customers and then try to fix the the whole leaky bucket in the in the pirate metrics whereas people who are specifically more on the acquisition channel they have exploited a lot in terms of i would say when you reach out to somebody on cold email there's a lot of follow-up processes then you reach out to somebody on linkedin then you reach out like try to call them and they try to annoy them as much as possible which I don't believe it. I think growth hacking is something that, you know, growth hacking is where you don't have enough like budget and you're trying to figure out some hacky way to reach out to more customers. It did work, like I would say in, in 2010, where Airbnb had a referral program, Airbnb had a Craigslist, where Dropbox had a, sorry, Dropbox had a referral program and Airbnb had this kind of Craigslist where they try to connect the API and may, make more people reach out to them. I believe that now that everybody in this internet era in 2020, I, I don't think we can actually make people fool or try to exploit somebody's API right now or try to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and try to ask them to buy from us immediately rather than having a conversation. I was personally annoyed when people tried to connect with me and they immediately second pitch is like, hey, would you like to chat for 15 minutes? And that's something that I don't believe in. I believe that you need to really be genuinely interested in that person and that you can't put an automation or some kind of kind of a tool in there to make people talk to you. And when when somebody reaches out to me by cold email and they don't even say hi, 
whatever the name is and so that makes me uh, raise my eyebrows and say why did this person did not do enough research a couple of days ago somebody from google cloud reached out and she didn't even say my name hi and she just copied pasted the entire template and sent it to me and i'm pretty sure she's doing it to a lot of people and that's what something that i i really hate i hate the fact that growth hacking the word hacking itself it has a negative connotation um and that's what i also kind of didn't like it because you know so before even growth hack was growth hack i think a lot of people from my culture especially india or pakistan we have this thing called um jugaad and the word jugaad itself means that you find a way to fix things without like buying it completely new and that's kind of hack as well a hack is like you don't have to go all the way towards it and you just have to fix it in a way so we have this kind of mentality and i didn't used to love it it's good for temporary purpose but it's not sustainable and that's what something was also annoying me a lot i believe that instead of growth hacking we should focus on growth marketing where we really think about like a journey a flywheel where we think about somebody not only but by our north star metric but also like customers north star metric what they are trying to improve um and rather than focus on us focus on end user what they are trying to improve and this is something that that now in 2020 it's going to grow so that's why i didn't i didn't love growth hacking i did the whole thesis on growth hacking and i love a lot of concept in there but i think people have just taken the whole meaning to the next level and they've mm-hmm. built a lot of sales tech tool which don't really scale or are not sustainable at all and i think also that just by saying the word sort of hacking it implies like that it might be easy to do as well potentially and it's low scale and um, and actually that's not really the case there's no sort of quick wins to succeeding in marketing really there are things that you can do for lower effort for higher impact and those things i think you should always prioritize but are they growth hacks no i don't think so so yeah so um, i'll give you yeah. an example i'll give you an example of really good growth hack that has happened and it's not a growth hack because there's no like hack so what happened was that there's this uh, uber's competitor called kareem and um, this guy he he's actually the marketing manager of kareem and uh, in dubai and they were actually competing against uber uber had a lot of money and kareem did not kareem was like in asian uh, so- southeast asian pakistani uber and now become really big in africa and middle east as well and so what they were competing against was giant uber who had a lot of money right so what they did was they they ran a pr campaign where they showed a person in and that was a generic video rolled out on social media without having any association with kareem they showed the person from this side of the terrace has to do some kind of i don't know what the tool you call where you try to bring like push person through that kind of a rubber or some slingshot and the person goes to the other side of the sling other side of the terrace and they sh- they, they showed the half side of it and then what happened was that after a couple of days later they showed the next part of it but before like the person was there and the person was not there people were talking about does this is this real or is this guy going to die why nobody's looking at it and it's all completely natural pr stunt based and people actually were talking about it the news news article they were talking about it they actually clicked on the link of kareem's page right and from that page they they got a lot of people interested and through that page uh, they they actually ran, ran that second campaign in that campaign they said hey you don't have to go through a slingshot from one building to other you have to just take kareem from one place to another and so that was the idea and from that they generated a lot of 
Facebook pixelated user who they could retarget to, to show Kareem later on. And that's something like, you know, innovative. That's something creative. That's something that, that makes people talk about it. That, that makes people stop everything and look at it. And that's something for me is like kind of a growth marketing and still not growth hacking because you're not trying to hack somebody's system to get in there. Although it is kind of a hacky, but the, the genuine idea of going viral is not growth hacky. So that's something yeah. I, I find very interesting if, if it makes sense. And you don't have money. You don't have money to actually go and compete with Uber, but you still kind of find a way to get there. Right. Yeah, sure. No, it's really interesting. And I think kind of on that same length, um, wavelength, I wanted to talk to you about one of the points you raised in that interview with Dylan on the SaaS marketing show all around pain point SEO. So I thought for anyone listening who wants to, you know, wants a, something that's not going to take money to invest in, wants to be come up with a marketing strategy and approach that could help build, start building demand and, and generation and generate leads for their business. This is actually something that anyone could really go away and do and, and follow this approach. And it's, so it's really, really interesting to me. It's also sustainable and it's a great way to, to grow your lead engine. So I'd love to dig into it a bit more with you now and just understand if you could talk to our listeners about, you know, what is pain point SEO? How do you actually go about setting it up? Like what are the key tactics and tips that you would give people in order to go and start actually executing on that tomorrow in their business? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. And and I've, I've tried explaining that in that episode as well, but I'll tell you something that I'm currently facing and something that immediately, immediately worked, okay? So right now we've reached a certain revenue milestone that's, let's say that's X, okay? And we need to reach Y milestone. I'm planning my, my next year uh, marketing plan and I was trying to figure out that, okay, what strategies do we need to do? What are the most common things when you need to go to X to 10 million, let's say? from X to 10 million, I just wrote this thing, like how do you grow from X to 10 million? There's no search volume to it, okay? There's no there's no specific kind of, I would say you can go and find something out there. You cannot go and look at an HRS and find it out. But this is my problem. My problem is that I, as a marketing head, I need to look into X to 10 million. And to find that X to 10 million revenue, I need to know what people have already been doing that I can also do to scale that up or what I should stop doing to to keep working and to keep growing my company and so I just wrote that thing on Google and the first thing that came was Jason Lemkin's Saster article right so Jason Lemkin um he's a SaaS guru SaaS god he, he's been talking about these things and I already trust him but now I trust him more because he's helping me with, with one of the questions that I have in my business right now maybe there's no search right but i know that because of this article i will go to him next time and talk to him hey can you tell me more or maybe i have to i for this specific reason i actually joined saster again uh, this year and I, I he bought me because of that specific article because like i answered that question and so i think you need to answer that pain point questions correctly in your business and this these questions people are already asking you in the support in the chat and mm -hmm. um, asking you in the demo calls, in the objections, they're asking you these questions when uh, a bot comes in and they say, hey, why? what's happening? Like, can you tell me about this? Or maybe they're asking on Reddit, they're asking on Quora, maybe they're asking they're, they're, on Slack. I have this, uh, this community on product-led growth and uh, the community has a channel, a specific channel called Need Help. 
and I'm, I'm my audience is product-led growth people people who are in product-led marketing so i'm in those channels and i'm just subscribed to those need help channels and as soon as somebody writes a question i get a notification from slack i have turned it in a way through preference to know what question they are asking and recently i was just redoing my content marketing plan and i figured out like 10 questions that i can answer right now that these people are asking and nobody's asking that but still relevant to my brand to my business to my middle or the bottom of the funnel content that that i can actually keep serving and this yeah. is something point seo because people are asking questions and these questions are not on search terms but mm -hmm. as soon as you answer them they are going to trust you so i have this article called best user onboarding experiences and i have like eight SaaS companies that are there and the best user onboarding experience already has search words so they, they search volume there but what i found out that through that article somebody searching for SaaS onboarding somebody searching for best inspiration articles for SaaS onboarding like there are so many that one article serves so many queries because people are looking for it so that's the pain point seo so one example i showed you where i did not have search volume and i i bought the thing and there's another example where there is a search volume contains pain point seo and still converts people through that funnel because people are looking for inspiration to to do their own boarding as well so and yeah, then really they think about yeah i think the yeah. key there as well is then really understanding your target market and your target audience so you need to be listening in on demo calls from with you know your bdms your s all your sdrs prospecting calls get access to those listen to them listen for the you know most those questions that that, that prospects are asking and then you can build out a plan that way as well so i think that's really interesting and anyone could go and do that tomorrow in their business. Yeah, so um, did you figure out something from your own business that you can now do? Yeah, we did. We, start, we started our very first few pain point um, SEO blogs and a lot of that we took actually um, from the case studies. So we, we did an audit of our case studies and we looked at what were the problems that our customers had because we had transcripts of those calls and interviews with our customers and they were telling us they were literally telling us their pain points and that gave us a great starting point for building out some of our pain point seo blogs which we've now done Good. thanks to thanks to that podcast so yeah that was our starting point so i guess other people could go and start there as well as they're kind of lost for where to begin mapping out that strategy i think so on that topic of you saying you know you're now looking to grow the net to the next level so you're going from x to, 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 you know, to the next level of growth. One thing I'm really keen to discuss and I'm always really interested in is this idea of like, can you max out your channels? So I guess, first of all, like what is the channel that your channel or channels that are most successful for you at the moment, user pilot? And when now you're looking at, you know, your new, your new strategy for growth, are you looking at building those channels that are working more and just looking at new ways of exploring them? Or are you looking to test out you know new ways of growth and what's the balance like what's the right balance so you know you've got things that are working how much do you optimize for growing what's working but ensuring you can future proof your efforts for scale in the future yeah so to be very honest right now the entire funnel of user pilot is based on search the good thing is that we are not in martech or sales tech that we have to compete on those terms where a lot of people are competing on so I can just tell you that for us, uh, SEO is the main channel. And then from SEO, we have, I would say, the second one is paid. And the third one is actually, I would say, most importantly is word of mouth because people 
look at the article they tell other people they tell other people and some people convert because direct like direct keywords we are seeing on the on the google analytics that people are finding us more than they used to find us like you know 10 months ago so these are the three channels but what i'm doing is instead of expanding the the, the number of channels I think I still haven't nailed all of them really well. So I haven't maxed out. You you have a question later on, maybe talking about maxing out as well. So I, I can only tell you that I haven't maxed out the SEO really well. I asked the same question from my podcast um, host, Wengage um, guys, and now their product has grown. So they they are they have like high domain authority. They are ranking on the terms they want to rank on. They get 70 backlinks each week. Okay, and so. They, they 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 are on more of a prosumer market where people are like you know self-serve and buy stuff when i asked her did you actually max out seo she said no because my product has evolved previously we used to do like just infographics now we do templates business proposal we do this we do that so it's always expanding you're always expanding in terms of features and the problem you're trying to solve the best way to actually find out what content to write is actually to work with the product team to know what they are going to release so that you know what content you should already be writing and so so I haven't maxed out and uh, the, the best balance to split time between search content and the gated pieces, I would say is that I, I personally love that even if I write one good article per month, which is insightful, is unique, it's actionable. And it also is something that people can go and immediately like do it like and they can say, OK, they can do and they, they get OK. They, it changed their perspective as well. Something that marketers don't do is that in their article writing that we all the time write these are four criteria but it doesn't change their mindset it just tell them hey this is the content take it and now you're up to yourself what i think is that you need to change the mindset as well so who's your enemy in that article for example when i when i'm recently writing about secondary feature onboarding and there's no search term on it but the, the secondary onboarding is something that nobody thinks about it and i'm pushing for that and there my enemy is product tours and we in general user pilot is against product tours so we are saying like okay you know what we want to say why these product tours work and what's the completion rate of product tours and what's the non-completion what's the completion out of interactive walkthroughs and why you should focus on secondary feature onboarding no search term self came came up with a term ourselves and then now we're trying to talk about it so that one article per month is good enough whereas the other article could be like my, my first priority is always about talking about bottom of the funnel articles or pain point articles. Then I'm also talking about one thought leadership articles. One is enough because you can't like keep consistently give quality content. It, you can't do enough research on it. And that's basically it. What I haven't done so far is gating it. The reason why I haven't gating, haven't gated it is because I'm, I already have a gate, gate, I would say a gated article or gated ebook which is already on our website called product adoption school and uh, we already have another book ebook on product drive so i already have two specific gated uh, content that i'm using so what i do is i write good content and i try to embed them in my blog i try to embed them in my in my pop-ups so that people can go and look into it so i don't try to promote them that well i promote them in my art in my and blog one thing i'm not doing right now is that each article should also have that ebook related to that specific article that is contextual enough so people can go and look at not the same article but something that can even be more up the sub something that is even more upgraded something that is even more useful to them and uh, since we're talking about ebook and how ebook uh, ebook ebooks are that i think a lot of people still like to consume it in some way maybe they won't take an action but the, your job is to serve them 
I think we marketers, our job is to serve our audience and we forget about it in connecting and in, in getting the MQLs number. So I think you have to serve yeah. them first and then get back to it. And I think one thing actually, just on that ebook point that I have been thinking about a lot since my interview with Chris. So um, for anyone listening who didn't, hasn't yet watched it, first episode was with Chris Walker. We're talking about the ebook being dead, which is very much what his opinion is. And I guess I was putting forward the other side of the coin on that. But I think it's not necessarily like just an ebook. What we're talking about are content upgrades. So if, if it's not an ebook, then maybe it's something else that's more powerful and more useful. And always the thing that I focus on is having actionable content that people can use. And within those ebooks, we do try and provide, it's not just like text, you know, they are, they're, they're embedded with templates, you know, links to things you can actually download and start using to plan out your content, for example. I think I'm now like, trying to focus more with the content strategy on unique assets that people can use in their con in their marketing strategy and planning and work or you know that's because that's our audience but if your audience is someone else then think about that as well and they always seem to work best because they're so practical and useful as well I think so um one thing that I wanted to talk about and I want to ask everyone who comes on this show is about the metrics that you track and what you obsess about. So at Cognizant, we're a very data-driven business and I'm sure my team will say that they, I sometimes drive them mad with it, but we look at all the metrics and we're tracking everything and we're making decisions you know, weekly based on those numbers. So I'm really interested to know like from your perspective and for user pilot, what are the numbers that you're looking at and what are you tracking or like Chris, are you not worried about number so many metrics and, and and the numbers and just yeah what's your perspective on that yeah so it's it's a hard thing and but to be honest uh, i personally care about marketing qualified leads leads that we provided to the sales team and uh, obviously how many leads are actually qualified by the sales team and these are the two things i care about obviously everything has to be connected to the revenue number so i do care about mrr each month so i see because no matter how much i need i have a revenue target to hit with sales team so for me my target is sales team target so for me it's more about okay mqls how many sqls and then and eventually it's all about how much revenue did we increase and i just care about these three things and I, that's where that's how i i create my entire strategy around so that's a short answer for you okay and then on that actually it's quite interesting i was i had sort of jotted down we're talking about the SEO pieces. How are you ensuring that all the well, the traffic you're bringing in from SEO is converting? So, like, what's your mechanism for converting that yeah. traffic? Yeah. So, as I said, I'm I said I'm not, I have not maxed out the SEO properly. So what I'm doing is, I said I'm doing the pop-up thing and then run the funnels based on that. And so, the thing is, as soon as I get somebody's email and they're in the funnel, and as soon as the funnel ended, they get they become our newsletter audience. And once they become the newsletter audience, I have like book a demo or sign up for a free trial right at the bottom. If somebody's interested in it, they will book it. And I see that every time, every newsletter I send, I see some people are clicking on that link and people are converting from there. So I'm not worried about, hey, which funnel actually convert them because eventually they come to the same newsletter and we know who they are. We know what con content they like about us. And so we just push them to that, that specific sign up button at the end. So it's not something that is, necessary but like at the end if they, they're looking at the whole article and it, it makes sense to them they can click on it the other thing i'm doing right now which i am I, I i have already started is running the 
the bottom of the funnel webinars every second or third week where i can say you know what let's let's do this way anybody who is looking at best user onboarding article anybody is looking at um who's going through product adoption school of ours anybody who is uh, looking at like all the bottom of the funnel articles let's push them to a webinar every second week and try to educate them the more you educate them you will still be able to convert them more right now we're getting some some leads already who are converting through book a demo sign up for a free trial but the lowest hanging fruit for me right now is to run a webinar and an educational webinar which is related to best user onboarding experience or best user onboarding best practices and so that's that's how i will educate them because i think i think a lot of people are scared to run those bottom of the funnel webinars like right now we don't see that many of them out there like you see it's all about you know almost actually actively not doing that you know sort of saying well we don't want it to look like we're selling a, what we do so we're going to talk about x y or z but it, it, it doesn't it make sense it makes sense it does, to actually yeah, yeah. do it because they are looking for the content you don't have to push it to everybody you can only push it to people who are engaging on those pages or are engaging on those specific so for example let's say if somebody goes to product adoption school they're definitely looking for improving the product the adoption of their product so in the first email, I say, you can read this whole school, but you can jump on the webinar mm -hmm. with me. And the normal conversion rate is 10%, right? So that's what I'm going to do, and I'm doing it already. And um, that's the lowest hanging fruit for all of us, because I think your product helps in certain topics. Somebody's looking at it right now. Maybe you might not get that many leads, but you will still increase the number, which is much more educated. If they are much more educated, they are going to retain higher. So that's how I think about it. Yeah, it's that, it's that balance between quantity and actually quality and engaged leads. So I think that's really interesting. It was actually something we ran at my last company a lot, again, because it was one of those tools that needed that education, a lot more of that education piece. So yeah, I think that's that's really interesting tactic and something, again, anyone could start doing tomorrow. They could be doing that, so it's great. You also mentioned that you your paid marketing was your second channel after SEO. So I'm just interested to understand like what are you what activities are you running on paid marketing right now and what, what are you finding that's working? So we are just doing right now only Google ads and <laughs> we, we've not been done a fair enough job to it. To be honest, it's it's an initiative we took three months ago and we found out after running the whole campaign that we have to have a dedicated landing pages. So yeah. the quality yeah. score is too low. I mean everybody says that. I mean, mm. we know those mistakes, but somehow the other, and it's, it's still converting, right? It's still converting to to book a demo, and so whoever is looking at it eventually does that. But so that's the lowest hanging fruit for us to just run the bottom of the funnel content and bottom of the funnel pages to those uh, to those keywords, and that's what we're going to do. It's not going to be part of our main strategy, but one thing I'm going to tell you that that is really relevant, and a lot of our people also don't do that. So the retargeting so when you look at the landing pages a lot of people will not sign up because they're in the research mode right and when you're in the research mode you 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 don't have to say hey book a demo because they already were on the page and they booked a demo they didn't book a demo with you so you need to facilitate them with what the objection they have and that could be like you know again a webinar telling them hey we are going to run on best user onboarding best practices come and learn from us and then in the webinar you show your software so they can see it live and they have some kind of taste before they actually book a demo again. So the idea is to like educate them, people who are actually still on the bottom of the funnel and trying to consider or trying to research. And so that's what I'm gonna do again. Like 
I think it's just that the short answer is provide value and provide education. I think that's a really, really interesting point on actually retargeting campaigns and we're guilty of this as well. Actually, ours do convert quite well, but we, we are just retargeting with a demo. And like you say, if they've already seen that CTA and chosen not to take it, potentially you need to be looking at a different CTA and, and educating them on something different. So that's another really, really insightful takeaway that I can definitely think we might go and change and test out as well. So one thing I would love to ask you, especially as kind of in the stage of growth that you are at with user pilot and on the back of the conversation I had with Chris, who's obviously a big advocate of sort of brand led marketing is for you, what is that right balance to strike between, you know, your lead generation efforts and your brand focused efforts? Or do you not even believe in the distinction? And like, how do you measure brand? I am not doing any kind of lead gen efforts right now. All the lead gen efforts are inbound and we're just trying to optimize for the inbound first. Um, I do believe that, I do agree with Chris as well that brand-led marketing is better than the lead gen marketing because brand-led marketing, you give the value first and then get the value in return. But I am going to run a lead gen campaign eventually where I know the people who are not looking for us and they know that the software can add value to them. So I am going to run that. And I know eventually that's actually going to add value because these are the people who are going to pay more money. They find most value. So and they're not looking at us at Google because they, they don't even consider in their top of the mind that this tool can actually help them. So you have to go and educate them and uh, you have to run campaigns to actually help these people out and because you can't just wait for them to come and say, hey, one day I will use you. Or I'm right now using a coder for that. So there is no balance because there is just brand marketing and there's no legion marketing. But how do I measure brand is, for me, it's not even about keywords that are or branded keywords on Google Analytics. For me, it's more about how many people talk about us on LinkedIn. How many people talk about us on Twitter? How many people talk about us on Slack channels where my audience is hanging out? And fair to be fair enough, I haven't done enough job. That's something that I am actively looking. And what I want to do is in brand marketing is something because I'm a podcaster, I want to do something more than that. What I want to do is actually I'm going to focus on like serving my audience better. I think we marketers are not serving our audience better to give them transformational content to do better work in their lives. So I'm going to I'm going to run content on podcasts on to, to serve my audience. One good example is Lessonly, for example. Lessonly is already a big brand and they're running a podcast on practice first. They already have something called protocol practice and they are running a podcast on practice first. So they are teaching people, salespeople that it's not only about learning, but it's also about practicing. And that's the bigger idea. And that's what they're trying to teach them. Um, so that's just one example, like, you know, Today, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a business in subscription analytics. You might already have some idea. And so her audience is CEO, okay? And I gave her idea that you should actually, what you do is like run a podcast on the CEO's life because it's such a hard job. And they are so, you can even run a podcast on difficult decisions, right? Talk about like, you know, nobody's, nobody's looking at CEOs as a, uh, they, they, everybody sees CEO as a glory hunter, but nobody's thinking about, not say glory hunter, that's somebody who's getting glory, but like there's a completely different kind of stress, different kinds of jobs, different kind of like task every day, yeah, and different kind of problems every yeah. day. We don't, we, we don't have that. 
understanding or empathy toward to their life. We just think that, oh, he, he doesn't understand us, right? So, and I'm not talking about CEOs as a co-founder. I'm talking about CEOs because co-founder, everybody's talked about Founders Journal, Founders Live and stuff like that, but nobody's talked about CEOs and that's our audience. So again, serving your audience better. And for me, it's more about serving my audience better. So for me, it's about talking to product teams and finding out. So that's just one example I gave you, like, you know, how can I serve my audience and think about making them transform through their lives? And so from one CEO, what, what can they, they learn from one CEO and what difficult decision that he had in hiring, in positioning, in category creation, in marketing, in product management, in reporting, in finances, in, I don't know, his personal life, you know, we're not talking about that. Nobody's talking about that. So that's like a big, big, big idea. For example, for you guys focus on salespeople, right? And one thing that I don't know if you've done that, but I think that the, in sales, the lowest hanging fruit right now in Cognizant is somebody in, is in sales and is in say, SDRs are underdogs, right? Nobody, nobody gives, uh, gives that much attention to SDRs, right? And everybody tried to sell through, I mean, there are a lot of different platforms where you try to learn from them, but nobody's glorifying SDRs. And that's a different angle altogether. Yes, right. And it's really interesting. We've, we're just launching the Hall of Fame featuring SDRs. So, yeah, it's a it's yeah. A good, so I think that's, I mean it's, it's a hard life. It's a hard mm. life for an. It's SDR. the hardest job. It's the hardest job in the business for sure. And so Definitely. I think that, that you 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 need to just change the angle and think about them and then run a content for them and they would love you in return because nobody's talking. Even though there's so much content out there for salespeople but there's a different angle altogether that people are not thinking. So that's why I think brand marketing is much more important. And I, I would personally, I want to say like, for me, brand marketing is when 10 brand marketers say, hey, I love your brand. And I, I loved what you guys are doing. And that's that's good enough for me. I don't even have to measure it. There's a metric that my, my podcast teacher, uh, Jay Konzo says that URR, which is ultimate referral something, which is basically how many people are, coming and talking to you about it and say, I love your podcast or I love the content that you did. That's the metric that you should find, not the Google Analytics metric. Yeah, and I always have this concept in my head of like building what I like to call an unfair brand. So when you know, when you're able in deals or your sales team are telling you that they're beating your biggest competitor who is, you know, I don't know, five years further down the journey and you're beating them like 80% of the time, that's where you've managed to create an unfair brand. You've created yourself to be in a position where you're winning deals that you shouldn't be. You know, you're getting traction in places where related to your size and your stage, you shouldn't be. And I think honestly, the key to being able to do that, and it always has been for me, has been through the content, like through your content, you just have to double down and focus on that. And that's what I always have done day one in my new roles has been let's sort out the content strategy first and let's go with the content first strategy which brings me nicely on to my next question which was that I'm always really interested to ask other marketing leaders this but day one in your new role or a new company what's the first thing that you do the thing that is of highest impact and lowest effort because there's obviously a to-do list however long and so where do you focus your effort? So in the ARR metrics, I would always focus on revenue. If I, if I have to do lowest impact, highest revenue is something that I would run campaigns for the existing customers who are actually loving us, are using us. How can we make more money from them? 
that's the only campaign i'll run and that campaign could also convert into content strategy that campaign can go into email marketing campaign that could be into like personal events for these people and then try to figure out how to we get how we get money out of them because revenue is the lowest hanging fruit where people only trust and love you so that's just one thing that i can tell you the other thing that in saas companies that a lot of people don't think about it and now i've, I've also started thinking about it to be very honest is I've started thinking about partners. Like, who are these partners that are giving you business? They that they 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 indirectly tell and so word of mouth. They hey, you should use this tool. I want to double down on there because they already trust me. So I have a couple of companies such as, for example, who are becoming the onboarding consultants. I want to double down on them. They are doing free onboarding teardown for other people, and I want to work with them. But this is the lowest impact because they are talking ten of my leads, and even after ten of my leads, two of them convert. For me, that is good enough ROI. So these are two different strategies I think and I would definitely do. That is, I would from the first get go. Obviously, I'm assuming that you in the first day I will not do anything. I will first talk to customers, talk to their teammates, talk, look at their strategy, what they have done already, where exactly the leaky bucket is, and start working on that. So assuming that that already is done, and if I have to just quickly give you two strategies, these are the things I would do. Amazing. That's great. And one question I like to ask as well is what what is one thing that you tell like B2, other B two B marketers who are listening to start doing tomorrow? They're probably not doing right now. And again, something that ideally is like pretty low effort, high reward. Partner marketing. So two days ago, I reached out to. So our our tool is a product tool, but it also helps customer success people, and it also helps um, product managers. So I reached out to two partners who already have my audience. They have my leads. They have my customers, and they also have people who are currently thinking about these kind of tools. So, what I I personally believe is that partner marketing is the best way to actually go, and you don't have to go out big scale. You don't have to create an integration, right? They they have certain people in their lead list who are currently looking for a solution. Like third three percent people are already looking for the solution, and you can just reach them. So, I reached out to customer success tools. I reached out to product management tool and I'm work, doing a webinar with them and working on a bottom of the funnel content. And that's something like it's on my podcast as well, episode number two or three by Siddharth Bharat. So I definitely recommend you check that out because that that actually made my eyeballs go up and said, okay, you know what, I should definitely do that. Okay, cool. So you heard it here first, partner marketing. I think that's really, yeah, I'm going to go and listen to that one for sure. It sounds really interesting. Okay, great. And then at the final thing, because I'm conscious of time before we let you go, is what one thing I always want to ask as well on these, and I'm because I'm always interested too, is what is your tech stack look like, and what and what are your favorite technologies at the moment? Is there like one piece of tech, especially you wouldn't live without? So I think it's always really interesting for other marketers to hear what other people are using, and if there's anything specific tools out there that, and maybe some free tools that they could be using that are not yet. So I personally believe that a lot of people are asked this question about personal, the tools that they couldn't live without when they are mostly common tools like HubSpot or you know like a metrics tools such as Chartmogul or Profitwell. I think what I wanna in this episode I wanna talk about is like tools that have really changed my life, and that's what I'm gonna tell you. So the tools that have really changed my life is Zapier, number one. Oh my um, gosh, number... I could not agree more. <laughs> Yeah. And second tool that I think has really changed my life is something called Descript, and that's my podcasting tool. Um, 
I was so scared of editing as a podcast because it's so much of hard work if you don't know. And the script, what it does is it converts all the content into uh, words and through words, you can edit it properly. So that's like magic for me. And um, yeah, I mean, these are the tools. And one tool that I cannot live without, and I think it would be so hard for me to look at something is actually Google Analytics, which is a free tool. And I think that if I don't have a visibility to my business through Google Analytics, I would just go crazy. I don't know what I will do because I can't see like what people are visiting, what the journey looks like. So these are like three tools I can tell you. My tech tag is usually is Drip that I'm moving away from, moving to HubSpot completely. I use Google Analytics. I use a tool called Poptin, uh, which is like my forms application. And the best thing about Poptin is that I can embed the form in the blog. I don't have to show a pop-up, which is too annoying. So that's something that I really like. Yeah, and I've connected everything through Zapier. Uh, th this is my basic tech stack. I, I can look into it, my, my document, and then tell you some other stuff. But like these are the tools that I remember top of my mind. Yeah, and I think that's a great, just for anyone listening, if there's ever a tool you want to use, but it doesn't fit into your tech stack, go and check out Zapier and see if there's an integration there, which there normally is, that can actually feed that data across without you having to, yeah, give up on using that tool or that system or create some really complicated automations around it. So yeah, Zapier is an absolute lifesaver and key to our tech stack as well. Amazing. Well, I'm conscious that we've kind of run over on the time front. And so any questions that we've had, we'll make sure we answer that we follow up and answer those as well. So thank you for submitting them. But I want to take this opportunity to thank you, Azar, for giving us your time and talking through some real life growth marketing strategies, which are not hacks and they're sort of they are the pathway to sustainable marketing and sustainable demand which is what we all want and we're all looking for and getting to that nirvana of predictability so thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us and please do go and check out Azar's podcast it's really really like the episodes on there are hugely insightful and they dig into a lot of details and other tactics that you could be using and in terms of this series there are still more episodes to come so our next episode is going to be featuring Andy from Lead Feeder. He's the CMO there. And we'll be talking about how they actually practice agile marketing in real life during the pandemic and, and managed to generate 11,000 leads in six months. It's a really interesting story and lots of actual tips and takeaways we'll be going through there. And then in episode four, we'll be looking at how you can stop gating content and what you can be doing to get more insights from the content that you're producing. And then finally, episode five, which I think I'm really excited about because it's an old colleague of mine. I'll be talking to Tom from Juro about actually content marketing isn't, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So looking at more of traditional ways of marketing and how they can still work for you and how to do them better than other people. So yeah, that's still to come. Thank you again, Azar, very much for your time. Really appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch. Indeed. Have a good day and thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Bye.